Thank you for listening to this message from Five Stones Church and Pastor Ryan Smith. For more information about Five Stones Church, visit us online at fivestonesga.com. Not standing because I want you to. I want to honor God's Word. John's Gospel, Chapter 5. That may sound familiar to you. You said you were in John 5 last week. Yep, I'm revisiting it. I didn't get done. I see you're excited about it. I'm ready today. I hope y'all came ready. I'm ready. I I got some stuff I want to drop in your spirit. We're leaving here different today. This may be your first Sunday here and you say, are you always like that? Yes. Sometimes we act worse. The reality is we may get worse for today's over. Can you run in them boots? Good. You may be the first one to hit an aisle running. Somebody say, well, y'all running this church? If we get happy. John's Gospel, chapter 5. Now that I've made everyone that's here for the first time as nervous as can be. John, chapter 5. John, chapter 5. We were there last week. I spoke to you on the subject of stepping out of stuck. You remember? I didn't get done. John chapter 5, I want to look at verse 5. I'm going to read three verses of Scripture, and that's all I'm reading. Maybe, maybe we'll look back at it, but I want to read three verses of Scripture out of the narrative from last week. Now a certain man, verse 5, now a certain man who had an infirmity 38 years. Somebody say that's a long time. Mm-hmm. 38 years. When he saw, when Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, He said to him, do you want to be made well? How many know Jesus knows everything about you? He doesn't have to be at your location or your geographical placement. He knows what's going on with you. If the hairs of your head are not counted but numbered, then I'm confident to say if he numbered them, he knows what's going on with you. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before him. Jesus said to him, Rise up, take your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. Father, thank you for the next few moments of time. We're going to use it to the best of our ability to allow you to speak into the recesses of our spirit. I thank you and praise you, God, for your faithfulness. I thank you for this word that is transformal my life and transforming the lives of others. We ask your blessings over it. May preaching be easy today through the Holy Ghost. May our ears be attentive through your spirit. And may you speak profoundly and even prophetically in each one of our lives. And we'll give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, you can be seated. Let's get started. Because last week I talked to you. If you didn't get the opportunity to be with us last week. I encourage you to go online and listen to anything online. Everything's there through Five Stones Church. But nonetheless, last week I talked to you about limiting environments. You remember I talked to you about things that limit us. And we talked about how so many times things limit us by the way we see them and by what we perceive them to be. And so we spent a lot of time last week talking about limiting environments. That's where we talked about structures and systems that, that have been established in our life to limit us. I can't spend all Sunday today talking about those. But I did want to think a thought. 
Because some of you didn't maybe get all the wisdom out of the understanding of limiting environments. So in 1954, was anybody born? This half of the room either don't know when they were born because not a one of them raised their hand. So either that, y'all are, they must be the millennials. In, 19, in 1954, no one had ever run a mile in less than four minutes. Until a man by the name of Bannister, last name, first name David, said to every scientist and to everyone that said it was an impossibility, I'm going to attempt it. Because I believe I can run a mile in less than four minutes. In 1954, every scientist had said the heart of the human would explode under that kind of duress. So they had created a mindset, an environment of limitation. Until somebody said, I'm going to push myself to see if I can break what others say is impossible. So in 1954, guess what happened? The first man ever, he ran the mile in less than four minutes. That's 1954. Within 46 days, another man attempted it and did it. In the next 10 years, between 1954 and 1964, 336 people ran the mile in less than four minutes. What does that say? That says somebody has got to break the limits so the rest of us can dare to dream what we have ahead of us. I got news for you. There are some people in your life strategically placed to push you past the environments of limits in order for you to extend your faith to see what God can do far beyond what you thought was impossible to your life. Am I all right to start there? Because today I want to talk to you about a term To me, that depicts God's identity. In fact, it is really the manuscript of Five Stones Church. It's head and shoulders above anything else. You might say, well, what is that term? It's the term that challenges me, pushes me, that gives me the passion to preach every Sunday. And that word's change. The word is change. Now, I always taught us that change is... Yeah, I always said change is different, and it's true. Change is different. But change is not just different. Because when God gets involved with change, it's not just making something different, it's making something better. So every time from here on out, I know for years I'd say change is, and y'all shout different. From now on, I'm going to say change is, and you're going to say better. All right, apparently we're going to have to work this out a little more uh, elementary. Change is? Okay, some of you didn't get it. Change is? Okay, how do I know change is better? Because anything God puts his hand on, anything God puts his hand on, isn't just changing for different purposes, it's getting better. 
That's how he can turn water into wine. How many know that water was water until Jesus? brought the change and it became better. I got news for you. Anytime he speaks over your life, you can go from what has been acceptable to what is better. You say, why do we dedicate these children? Because the change for their future is based on this. Mom and daddy have limited abilities to produce a future for their children. But when they invoke and ask God, To equip them with wisdom and insight. How many know mom and daddy get supernaturally smart? Do I have any parents in here that got supernaturally smart because you asked God? And you'd go marching into your kid's room? And you didn't even know why you was marching into their room, but you caught them into something they shouldn't have? My kids, no. Yeah, listen to them. (laughs) between mom and dad and the spirit of a living God. There was a lot of times we walked in and they went, "Uh uh-oh. How'd y'all know there's something going on? Well, not only we dedicate you to God, we dedicated ourselves to God and we knew God needed to help us help you change. Because if I'm living according to default, then I'm living according to culture and culture sets a course of action for us that unfortunately is not God's best. I lived without the presence of God in my life for many years, and I did okay, but it wasn't good. It wasn't until I became born again, blood-bought, that things got better for me. Uh, There's three people that agree with me. Uh, I was living, but I was surviving, not thriving. It wasn't until I became born again, blood-bought, That I became a devil stomper, a demon rebuker, a water walker. You're not in this room. It wasn't until he changed me from what I was to what he had always designed me to be that I had confidence in the ability of God to change life. You may not know me. You may not know my story. You may not know my history. But you ought to know this. I've been changed by the power of a resurrected Christ. And my life is no longer my life. I live for him. Change is a good thing. Because God's the expert at change. Look what he did with you. Look at the misfit, dysfunctional. Y'all looking like, he must be talking about my neighbor. Yeah, I'm talking about the one that's ignoring me right now. Because we got rows full. Because if somebody was to read the narrative of our story, I'm not talking about what's been edited. I'm talking about the real story. See, most of us, by the grace of God, have allowed God to edit our story, pulled out some chapters that needed to be pulled out, and started writing some new chapters in my life. Thank God I'm not what I used to be. Thank God I don't go where I used to go. Think like I used to think. Behave like, oh, you're not here. I know there's some of us in here that understand the power of change. I'm not apologizing for my past. I'm just thankful that page got ripped out of the book. (laughs) You don't want to talk. (laughs) 
38 years. John 5. John 5, 38 years. How many say that's long enough? 38 years paralyzed. 38 years without movement. 38 years without developmental growth. 38 years of the same thing. 38 years of trusting a structure. 38 years of living in a system. 38, how many know, 38 years is a long time to be stuck in something. Y'all going to let me preach a minute, right? Because I need to walk this out in your presence because a lot of us have become so comfortable and stuck that stuck becomes the residence, the mindset, and the mentality of life even when we come to church and somebody tells us you can change. See, we can preach to you all day long from the narrative of Scripture about a God who can change, but most of us live in a cycle of dysfunction because we believe that we have to be dependent upon something we can see. For 38 years, a man sat by a pool waiting for the angel to trouble the water so he could be healed. So he was in a cycle A repetitive action of what? Of expecting that maybe one day he would be the one that got into the water when the water was troubled because the one that got in first received a medical supernatural healing. So he was waiting for a better day. I would imagine in this auditorium today there's some of you still waiting for some better days. Waiting for change. The problem is, when you sit in a place so long, apathy begins to wear you out. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, that where hope is deferred, y'all ever heard that? Where hope is held off, the heart becomes sick. You ever waited on something for so long that after a while you're no longer excited? You remember when you were a kid? I mean, it would be January and somebody be talking to you about Christmas. How many know when you were a kid from January to December felt like four lifetimes? Now, some of you have been around a little while. January to December now to me is like a blink of the eye. They could go ahead and throw out Christmas trees right now in the shopping centers, and I'd be like, yeah, it's coming. Have you noticed? They didn't used to put trees out till after Thanksgiving. Now they put it out before they even put out a Halloween mask. Why? Because they understand that change is happening quicker than we ever imagined. See, this man in 38 uh, 38 years of waiting had lost his hope. I've lost hope too. Okay, y'all don't want to talk about it. There's been some seasons in my life where I thought this ain't going to work out. Huh? My kids, that ain't going to work out. Marriage, not ever going to work out. 
this business plan I'm on, it ain't going to work out. I know God called me to, to do this, but it ain't going to work out. There's people in this room right now, you sitting next to somebody you didn't think it was going to work out with. I'm not looking, I'm just facing this way. I didn't want to see you elbow them because then I'd know who you are. See, a cycle of being in the same place without hope not only makes your heart sick, but what it begins to birth, and this is troubling to me because what it begins to birth is exactly what we read in this narrative of Scripture. Because when Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? He offers an excuse. He becomes a blamer. Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? And his response is, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. That wasn't the question. The question is, do you want to be made whole? I didn't ask you about the limitations. I asked you about the expectations. See, if we get past the limitations, then we can move into expectation. But the reason we lack expectation is because we have become dependent upon flesh instead of God. The day you become dependent upon somebody bringing change to you is the day you lose your expectation. For God to intervene supernaturally. Do you understand we live in a culture right now that is codependent? We are codependent on our government. They're educating our children, but we don't say nothing. Okay, I'm going to say it right here because ain't nobody going to help me right here. We won't teach them what we know is biblically true. We'll, we'll play default and let our government teach our children about all kinds of heresies and theologies that are not biblical. And all the while, we're codependent on it because we won't do the job of educating them ourselves. It's true. We're dependent on flesh. This man for 38 years was dependent on flesh to get him in the place of change. And for 38 years, guess what failed him? The very thing he trusted to get him in the water first for his miracle had failed him. When you trust the flesh to help you change, you are perpetually, consistently stuck in paralysis. You will remain paralyzed relationally if you're waiting for somebody to change. Because God knows that person sitting on the pew next to you cannot change. They're not going to change on their own. I tried that. My willpower wore out after about two days. I was good for about 48 hours of change. Then after that, I went back to default, living according to what? My own fleshly appetites. Why? Because I couldn't change the way I thought. I couldn't change the way I behaved. You say, well, you need more willpower. No, you need the expert of change. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the change artist. I couldn't change nothing relationally. I just blamed everybody else for my own dysfunction. 
How long are you going to sit by the pool paralyzed because somebody walked out on you? How long are you going to sit by the pool and play the blame game because somebody didn't love you like you thought you should be loved? I'm preaching now. How long are you going to sit by the pool and play the blame game when the master of change comes walking by you and you look and say, well, wait a minute. My mama didn't do me right. My daddy didn't treat me right. My uncle, he did wrong to me. How long will you blame? I'll say it this way. You will blame until you understand that he don't care. Jesus didn't care about who failed the man. The question is, do you want to be made? Do you want to be well? Or do you want to sit here and blame everybody for not doing the job? See, when you live dependent, it creates pride. You say, well, I thought pride didn't really fit here. It does, because his pride is in what somebody else can produce for him. Humility says, I can't trust nobody but you, Lord. See, pride, when it gets really rooted in our life, before you realize it or not, pride will make you a bitter person. This man is bitter. Why? Because he's always been this close to breakthrough. And now, because he's been so dependent on people, now he's bitter at the ones who are failing him. It's their fault I don't get into the pool. So see, when you're prideful and you slide into bitter before you know it, you become an unbeliever. Because you don't ever believe that things are going to change for you. Now, I said all that to get to the good stuff. Y'all ready? What if you were next? Try over here. What if you were next? When Jesus shows up at the pool of Bethesda and he stops at the unique need of this man paralyzed for 38 years, he asked the question, Do you want to be healed? He didn't say who failed, he didn't ask him for his resume. He didn't ask him to prove that he was worthy. He didn't say, how good are you? He asked the question, do you want to be next? What if you're next? What if you're next? What if you're next for healing? What if you're next to be stirred by the Spirit of the Lord? What if your family's the next one to be converted? What if the next is for you? See, if I told you that you were next, you would have to move from your dependence on others to dependent on Him. You want to know why people sit with sick hearts? Is because they don't believe they're next. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Y'all act like we got guests. Huh? Come on, somebody pull some preach out of here because I want to turn this loose, but I can't. I ain't turning nothing loose until y'all put a little pull on this because I got you to, I got to get you to understand this. 
You've got to shift this thing from feeling like you're dependent on some man or some structure or some system and start believing you serve a God who can make you next. He'll make you next when you're undeserving. He'll make you next when no one's not. When no one's watching, He'll make you next. Next. What if you're next? How would you praise if you were next? How would you shout if you were next? How would you do it if you were next? Next. You want a crazy revelation? Y'all ready for this? I'll give you one. Marsha and I went shopping. That's not the revelation. We'll talk about that later. Watch me now. We were walking up to an establishment. And as we walked toward the doors, there were no door handles on the doors. There was a sensor. So that when I got out of the car and her on my arm and we started walking toward what was closed... I'll preach anything. We just walking with an expectation. There's no door handle for me to pull it open. I got to trust what I'm getting close to. She's I'm getting close and it opens my door. Oh, somebody ought to get some hope in your spirit. I'm next. <laughs> Walked right up there and that door went. It didn't ask if I was deserving. Didn't ask for my resume. Didn't ask for my bank account. Y'all not here. They didn't know if I had any money to buy anything on the other side. They just knew I was getting close. I got news for you. Some of you getting close. You're getting close to seeing your family saved. You're getting close to your harvest. You're getting close to the resource. You're getting close to your breakthrough. And I got news for you. You got to keep walking with an expectation because my door is about to open. Touch your neighbor and say, Next. Touch the one that don't have any faith and tell him you can be next. Touch the one that's got the bad attitude right now and tell him they can be next. Next. Getting close to my door. You know what hinders your door from opening? Your lack of mobility. God don't punish you. He's just looking for you to move. You got to stop claiming you're paralyzed and start moving in the word of the Lord. Stop walking around blaming somebody. Walk in your word. 
I'm going to simplify this for you. One God, one love, one word. One God, one love, one word. What do you mean? One God who's got a plan for me, who loves me regardless of my failure, who's going to get a word to me so I can walk out my destiny. One God, one word. That's what I need. What What changed for a man of 38 years of paralysis? One word. Not a sermon. Not Bible college. Not therapy. Not counseling. Not behavior modification. One word. See, that's why I believe you can be next if you'll have an ear to hear the next word. See, I know I'm living in my season of harvest. Okay, that's fine. I, Mama, you with me? Good, because I don't need anybody else's agreement. I, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm walking into new resources. I'm walking into a new harvest. I'm about to witness the release of change in a region, and a community that otherwise is doomed and damned by the power of a demonic spirit. But I'm here to tell you, I'm next to bring a change to the world that is bound. The paralyzed walk because I'm going to show them how to walk. How can they believe the door is going to open unless you start walking toward the door? Hallelujah. All right, I got to finish, which means nothing. But, Pastor, I'm not deserving. You write about it, honey. Ain't not a one of us in this room deserving. If you would have seen the chapters of my book before he ever started editing my life through grace. See, my mind can remember the chapters that were filled with my sin cycles. But see, grace took the novel of my book. You say, who is Jesus to change your story? He's the author anyway, and if he wants to change the story of your life, he'll change it. He don't need your permission. He don't need your mama's permission. He don't need your grandmama's permission. He wrote the story. And if he wants to change the narrative of your life, he'll change it. (laughs) How do I believe in change? Because I is one. Don't be be so politically correct. This section, I'm all right with. Let me work over here. Well, yeah, but I'm so messed up. I think faulty thoughts. I, I've got a sin cycle. I, I've been dysfunctional. Yeah, and he got the authority to pull the pages out of your story. See, I'm, I'm a testament that what I used to be, I am no more. How can that be so? Because he is not just one who rips the pages out of my story. He has the authority to edit my story. That means he has the delete button. He has control. Why do I believe in change? Because I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But I got a word that said he'll love even you. And I believed he could change me. And here I is. 
I believe. All right, let me walk this out. See, I told you I wasn't done with this. I'm trying. So, well, Pastor, you, you don't know what I'm stuck in. He can change your relationships. He can change your economics. He can change your poverty mindset. He can change your generational curses. He can change your unforgiveness. He can change your unbelief. He can change your bitterness to betterness. He can change your condemning nature. He can change your self-righteous attitude. He can change your need for approval. He can change. Oh, y'all walk with me for a minute, and then I start talking about you needing approval. Yeah, some of you can't function unless you get a like on your Facebook. You get depressed if somebody don't give you a whole lot of loving. It's Facebook, for heaven's sakes. I just don't feel good about myself today. Why? Well, nobody liked my post. I'm going to drop kick that. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people get depressed because nobody liking your stuff. Change. Change. You don't need nobody's approval. Yeah, but Pastor, I, I, I've been down some bad roads. You, you don't know my pain. No, I know you can change. You got one God with one love affair and one word for you, and that word is change. And the change is simply this. Answer the correct question correctly. Do you want to be well? This is not deep theological hermeneutics. Buy you a dictionary. Follow me. Well, I just don't understand how he could love somebody like me. Because he created you. He created you, and he paid a price for the changing of the story of your life. When I read this, and I begin to go through there, I'm going, man, God, I've been so apathetic at times. I've been so passive at times. I've been so, so covered with shame, religious condemnation, because there's always somebody that goes, I'm not good enough. Some of you right now, a few minutes ago when I started preaching, go, you're not good enough. And you're probably right. But I'm going to preach anyway to prove you that there is a God who can change all things. And the truth of the matter is, you are sitting next to some of the greatest testimonies of change you've ever seen in your life. And the fact of the matter is, the world doesn't need to see another sermon. They need to see you because you are the poster child of change. Just start living like you're next. Yeah, well, they don't think I'm, I'm deserving. I don't care. I'm next. My doors are opening. Why? Because I'm pursuing them. I'm next. Move out of my way. I'm next. Pastor, that's way too egotistical. Well, then you sit by your pool, paralyzed by your life, and the rest of us are going to get a word from God, and the word from God for us is, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next to see the resource, I'm next to see the harvest, I'm next to see God do something wonderful. I'm, 
You sit there if you want, honey. I'm moving up next. Don't you love it when they tell you, you're next. How many of you have been somewhere where they go, you're next. Oh, when you're next, you're like, ha, sorry about it, sucker. You be religious on me. You know that's true. Y'all be like. I'm next. You ain't got no swag when you know you're next. You know when your number's called, when it's your time, when it's your season, when things shift around and you become next, you know you. How about it? You ever been in one of them crowded restaurants? Last night. All them people standing around going, why'd they get to go? I'll tell you why I got to go. I've got my number in for you got your number in. I'm not telling you you ain't next, but I ain't going to wait on you. Yeah, but I got to wait on them. No, you got to prove to them that the power of waiting is expectation. And as you move forward, you're going to encourage those that are behind you to keep on waiting because you can be next too. Don't wait on us. Just keep expecting you're next. Touch somebody and say you're next. All right, I'm done. Is that all right? Aren't you glad you came? All right, let me finish. 18 minutes. What? Carson knows I preach long. He's Oh, he's next. He is. He sure is. We've been prophesying he's next. See, here's my deal. See, we don't understand the metrics of the kingdom of God. Dictionary moment. Metrics. The ability to create a structure or a system that is able to quantify results. That ain't Webster's, that's PRS. Pastor Ryan. Because there are metrics of the kingdom. There are results that should be identifiable in my life. I should not live a life that does not have an indelible imprint of kingdom life in it. This young generation should live in such a way that their lives are pictures of what it is to be next. Because when Jesus speaks to the man that's been lame for 38 years and the man plays the blame game because he's dependent on flesh, Jesus says, listen, I understand all that. Here's what Jesus, can I break it down? Here's what Jesus said. The metrics of the kingdom is not based on the angel visiting. Because the man was waiting on what? The angel to visit the water to stir it. Can, can I break it for you like this? Jesus goes, that angel works for me. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Huh? Jesus says, listen, I know you're waiting on that because that's the only paradigm of understanding you have. 
You're sitting there because that is the only thing you know to put your trust in is the stirring of an angel in water. Jesus says, listen, you can blame all you want, but the angel works for me. What Jesus is saying, I don't need the angel. I'm here. But see, the only, the only perception he had was of the angel coming. So he wasn't expecting something that was outside of normal. The metrics of the kingdom of God does not operate in the landscape of the normal. If it operates in the landscape of the normal, then you can produce it. And most of you have exhausted your human resources to sustain your life, and that's why you panic when the stock market goes up and back down. Because you've looked to that to be your sustainer of future. I'll preach right here. The metrics of the kingdom, the rule of discernment for the the results of the kingdom of God is never natural. If it's natural, you can do it. So when Jesus shows up and the man says, look, I don't have anybody to put me in the water, that's because he had become dependent on flesh for his miracle. Jesus says, I don't need a man neither. I don't need a man. I don't need an angel. I don't even need the pool. Why? Because Jesus can change what you put confidence in. Thank you for listening to this message from Five Stones Church. For more information, current events, and the latest news, connect with us online at fivestonesga.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Five Stones GA. We would love for you to be a part of a service here live. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. right here at 1358 Sixes Road in Canton, Georgia. Thank you again for partnering with us as we empower people and invade the culture.